Welcome to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get help and guidance through the chaos of parenting a child with anxiety or OCD. This show is for educational purposes and is not intended to replace the guidance of a qualified professional. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. I hope you're doing okay. Today, I want to talk to you about your support, about how to get support, where to find support. When you're raising a child with anxiety or OCD, it can be a very isolating and lonely experience. I get this as an anxiety and OCD child therapist because I work with lots of families who have struggled to find the support that they need. And I get this as a creator of online support for parents raising kids with anxiety and OCD. And I get this as a mom where it was even hard for me to find help for my own kids when I didn't want to treat them myself. So the irony is not lost over there. So what are you supposed to do if you're a parent and you have a child with anxiety or OCD and especially OCD? I don't feel like it's as hard to find help and support for anxiety, although it can be tricky too, but OCD is almost impossible, I want to say, in some parts of the world, in some parts of the the country. What are you supposed to do with that? Do you just give up? Do you just, you know, wait until you can get off that waiting list? Do you just feel isolated and alone and feel like your friends don't get you? Or do you do something about it? And so today I'm going to talk to Joe, who will talk about her joining the AT Parenting community and what it did for her and um, what kind of resources she was able to use to help propel her daughter's journey and get her the help that she actually really needed. So I appreciate parents volunteering. A lot of times parents and people will reach out to me and say, I want to share my story. I think it will help others. We heard from Cameron last week. She also reached out to me and said, Natasha, I have a story to tell. And if you're okay with it, I want to share my story about my own experience, not knowing what OCD is, even though I'm a mental health professional, which is a common story, by the way, and her journey with her son who had OCD. And, you know, I love when parents reach out to me and say, I want to share my story. So Joe is another parent who wanted to share a story. And I feel like we can learn from hearing other people's stories. We can learn that we're not alone. We can learn that there's hope and we can learn how to navigate our own journeys. So I hope that you find her story helpful. It is very timely because when she reached out to me, I was just about to open the doors to the AT Parenting community. So the the timing was perfect because I only open the doors to new members of the AT Parenting community every few months. So I open it about four times a year. And that's not a lot when you're waiting for support. So, and the reason why I do that is because I really am not a good multitasker. And it's nice for us to build a community and build that bubble of support, not having new people trickle in all the time. And then opening our doors at one time where we can focus on inviting new people in. So today is Monday or Tuesday, maybe February 1st when you're listening to this of 2021, depending on if you're watching or listening to this in real time. And the community opened on Monday, February 1st, 2021, and it closes on Thursday. What is that? February 4th, I believe. So I only open it for a few days because if you're wanting the support, you're going to join. If you're not wanting the support right now, you're not going to join. And so I don't like to have it open indefinitely because it's a lot of work to invite new people in and welcome them in. If you're interested in joining, you have just a few days. You can learn more about the AT Parenting Community at atparentingcommunity.com. 
So just go to the website, atparentingcommunity.com, and you can learn all about what you what you get in the AT Parenting Community. Um, Joe talks a little bit about the things that she benefited from. And it's interesting because I find like each parent utilizes the community in a different way. And there are so many resources in the AT Parenting Community that it can be a little overwhelming. But what I always tell parents when they're joining is find the thing that you need. I have everything because I want to have a very full stocked cabinet full of support for parents. But then you go in there and you pick out what you want to metaphorically digest. So you do get free access to one of my big online classes. So I have an online school called the atparentingsurvivalschool.com. And that's totally separate from the AT Parenting community. I think I have seven courses that are available online. They're really bite-sized videos that you can watch. And I have one on how to crush anxiety and I have one on how to crush OCD. And I have other classes too, but those are my two like staple classes And as a member of the community, I gift people those as just a bonus that while they're a member, they can take that class for free. They can access that class. They also can access my how to handle difficult behaviors caused by anxiety or OCD class. So the first class is like $127. My second class, the difficult behavior class is $87. And members of the community just get those for free. They get to access those for free. And And Joe really utilized that aspect of the community. But I do want to mention before we go into my interview with Joe, that the other aspect of the AT Parenting community is the community that you get this like group of parents that have your back and are instantly there to support you, give you ideas, just lift you up when you're having a bad day. So we do have a private Facebook group that is separate from my large private Facebook group. (laughs) So I have a public Facebook group called AT Parenting Anxious Kids. I think at this point in this recording, I have like 21,000 parents over there. So if you want just crazy support, crazy free support, go over there to AT Parenting Anxious Kids is the Facebook group that is open to the public. Anyone can join. It's there to support you. The AT Parenting community has its own Facebook group and it's smaller currently. I don't know. The number always changes, but there's about, I'll have to go look. You know, there's it fluctuates between 400 and 700 people in there at any given time, much smaller than 20,000 or 21,000. And I go in there and I teach once a week. So it's an intimate group. We get to know each other. It's more personable. I'm in there a lot. I can't be in a group of 21,000 people. It's too much for my social anxiety. It's overwhelming, but I am intimately involved in the, the AT parenting community. And there's also forums on the website. So if people don't like Facebook, they can get my one-on-one support or supports from their peers in the forums on the website. But there's a treasure trove of things that people get in the AT Parenting community. We also have a Zoom call that we do once a month. It's a support group Zoom call. Parents really like that because they really get to know each other and they get to know that they're not alone. And then we started doing a kids support group. So there was a a big call for support directly for their kids. And the AT Parenting community was initially created to provide and hold a space for parents who are raising kids with anxiety and OCD. That was my like mission and my goal when I created it was to provide a space that I didn't see out there in the world that parents were floundering. I was seeing parents floundering in my large Facebook group and I was seeing parents emailing me over and over again. I can't find a therapist or I can't find a therapist that understands what ERP is or what OCD is, or I don't know anyone in my community who has a child who struggles with anxiety or OCD. And I was like, I can create this. Like I can, I can bring people globally together and no one has to feel like they're alone anymore. They can just log on to their computer, 
and have instant access to exactly how to treat their child's OCD at home, instant access on knowing that they're not alone and how to handle things and literally know that no matter what issue they're dealing with, somebody in the community has dealt with it as well. So that's why I created that. But then parents were like, my kids need that too. They need that validation that they're not alone. They need that education. So initially I started making like videos for kids separate from my YouTube channel. So I have a YouTube channel called Ask the Child Therapist and tons and tons of videos on there. And in fact, as you'll listen to Joe's story, that's how she discovered me, which is shocking because I feel like the YouTube algorithm and me are not friends, but she found me from YouTube. So that was interesting. But I started making videos just for the community. So I started making kid and teen videos. Parents would say, hey, my other kids are having a hard time understanding their sister's OCD. Can you make a video on that? And I would. So we started to create our own library of videos that were very specific to what parents needed at the time. And I was able to kind of make them, like customize these videos and make them poignant for the issues that people were dealing with in the community. And I still do that. But then that wasn't enough. So I created support groups for the kids directly. So once a month, we have a Zoom call and we actually separated out now because the community has gotten bigger where we have, we were getting way too many. So we were having like a support group on Zoom for kids and teens and it was like 80 kids were showing up. It was a lot um, and we weren't being able to have like an intimate conversation. It was really nice to validate those kids, to see 80 squares on Zoom of all these kids who had the exact same issues is so validating for these kids, but I wanted them to be able to have a little bit more of an intimate setting. So we moved it to a support group for kids once a month, ages like six and seven, all the way up to like 12. And then we have a teen group, which is, I think it's like 13 to 18. And we get, we get a pretty big group of people. So we, we normally get about 30 to 40 kids in each group. And it fluctuates once, when I open the doors to the AT parenting community, Normally that month, it's a much, much bigger support group because we have all these new members. And then it kind of normally whittles down to about 30 to 40 kids in each group again. So we'll see over time. But that's a lot of kids to say, hey, I have that struggle too, and really normalize a lot of those OCD thoughts and those anxious thoughts that kids think that they are the only ones that have it. So that's a little snapshot of the AT parenting community. There's a lot more, but I just wanted to give you a little taste of what that's like. So there is a lot of online support. I think a lot of times, and Joe and I talk about this in our interview, that parents just wait. I don't know what they're waiting for. I think they're waiting for a therapist to just walk them through things, or they're waiting for things to get better. And as you'll hear Joe talk about, it's really good to take the bull by the horns, get your own support, no matter where you live. We have people in the AT parenting community. Um, a lot are from the United States, but a lot are from, we have a lot of Canadians. We have a lot of people from the UK. We have a lot of Australians. We have a few from South Africa. And then we have some from places that I haven't even heard of or I can't even pronounce. We have people from literally all over the world. And they're there because they want that extra support. Some are there because they they can't find an OCD therapist and they, they're not going to sit there and wait. And so it's almost like a DYI. They can take the class, they can get the support, and they can do these things at home. Some already have a therapist and they're there because... They want to supplement their knowledge. They want a community. They want their kids to have a support group. And they realize that beating, well, you can't really beat, but crushing anxiety and OCD and making it super tiny involves the whole family and involves getting support for everybody. So 
I don't want to ramble on forever, but I do want to let you know that the AT Parenting community is open just for a few days if you're listening to this. If you're listening to this after February 4th, get on the waiting list because I will notify you the next time it opens. So I want you to hear Joe's story and I hope that it gives you a little bit of hope that things can get better no matter where you're at right now. So without further ado, here is Joe. Well, I want to welcome Joe to the show. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. It's so good to have parents on because I really, we were just talking about this before I hit record, you know, that I think so many parents want to hear other people's stories, especially when they're feeling overwhelmed. And I'll see this in the Facebook groups too. If like, just somebody tell me something hopeful, you know, or somebody tell me that they've been through this and they, they got through it and they went to the other side. And so I was so grateful when I don't know if I reached out or if you reached out, I think you reached out and said, you know, I'd love to share my story. And I love when people do that because it helps so many people. So I wanted to talk about tapping into online support, but before we get started, let's just dive in a little bit to what was going on in your life, in your world with your daughter before I met you. I think it probably started when she was very young. I mean, when she was about four, I remember we were driving and she just said to me, one side of my mouth is a boy and one side of my mouth is a girl. And I have to chew the same number of times each side before I can swallow. And I just sat there and I thought, well, that's uh, very descriptive and unusual and didn't think much of it. And so there were little things like that that would crop up that I thought was just a bit of quirky behavior, to be honest. And it was probably about five years later or so, um, I guess when she was about nine or thereabouts, and I was starting to have real concerns about her anger and how aggressive she was being towards me. I spoke to a charity called Young Minds in the UK, who I found online, and they sort of advised to speak to a doctor or go to her school. And and she talked to a school counsellor for a little while, but that sort of went wrong because she ended up sharing some sessions with another child and they were very much focused just on anxiety. And and she was adamant to me, I'm not anxious. It means nothing to me what they were saying. And um, and to be fair, she comes across as a very sort of talkative, confident young lady and not afraid to stand up for herself or others. And it, it almost seemed to become like she was just a strong world girl and probably difficult to parent. And that's why she'd get angry if things didn't go her own way. So it was reaching quite a height quite a crescendo and I was looking up things on YouTube of sort of (laughs) help because I was really struggling with it and as a parent sometimes you know you blame yourself and you're thinking I must be making things worse and all the angry words that they use directed at you you can really start to absorb it and that's um, why I know you sort of um, focus on sort of getting help for parents as well and the importance of self-care for for parents so Really, it was when I was then looking up on YouTube, I think the algorithms must have worked out (laughs) what was going on. (laughs) That's a miracle. (laughs) Yeah, and started suggesting some of your videos. And it just clicked into place. I I thought she must be going into a rage over what seems minor, but actually I'm interrupting her rituals. Before then, I would have had no idea that I was dealing with OCD here because probably because of the stereotypes. I mean, her bedroom was messy she resisted having showers and I just didn't see it as OCD and I had sort of had some mental health training and that I, I used to be a hypnotherapist and I'm also a mental health first aider at work 
so a bit of a background, certainly not expertise, but I was aware of it. And I'd known a few people, a couple of people that had OCD as well. But I, I'd never picked up that this anger and aggression could have been linked to OCD. So it was only on reflection that I thought those quirky behaviours, it just seemed to ring true. So the videos really helped me. And we also watched some together and she seemed to recognise it as well. And I think she definitely drew some comfort there from realising that she identified with it and, and she knew that she wasn't alone. So she really liked the analogy about having to stand up to the bully in her mind and, and that sort of thing. So that really helped because I think some of the words perhaps the school counsellor was using around anxiety made her feel like she was being accused of being weak or, or something like that. But this sort of seemed to empower her a little bit more to stand up to it. So so that was brilliant. But it certainly wasn't getting any better. And uh, I well, was... And I want to pause you there for a second, just yeah. because I think you're bringing up some really good points that I want to highlight. First, that difficult behavior is sometimes a symptom. And I think that that's just a really good thing to highlight, because a lot of times I think parents don't realize that they're connected. You know, they think even if they have a diagnosis of OCD, they're like, and there's this really difficult behavior going on. And I don't know if that's something you want to touch on, or if that's, I need to go see another therapist for. So I love that you're bringing that up, that there was like this disruptive anger, because when you do have all these compulsions in your head and you have all these rules, that's very stressful. And when your parents aren't doing the things that your OCD wants, you definitely want to push back and get very angry at the people that aren't fulfilling those OCD loops. So I think that's a really good point. The other point you brought up is you have some mental health background. And actually I interviewed a mom last week. So this was the last episode that actually went on was also, you know, has a mental health background. And I think that I'm just a little bit on my soapbox about this, but I feel like parents don't realize that as mental health professionals, we're really not trained to see beyond the stereotype of OCD. You know, so when you see your child has a messy bedroom, doesn't like to take showers, so many parents tick off that box of OCD as not an option because they say, well, if she has OCD, she would definitely want to take a shower and not realizing that a lot of times kids do not want to take a shower because it might be way too ritualistic or it may not have anything to do with their OCD or their room might be a disaster because things are contaminated all over the floor or it may not have anything to do with their OCD. So you're bringing up some fantastic points that I wanted to highlight before you went further into your story, because I think they're they're really important, but go on. Okay, so it wasn't getting any better. And at that point, I found out about the AT parenting community. And to be honest, I think at the time, I thought it was going to be an alternative to getting professional therapy, because she had been so resistant to, to going to a therapist. I thought, well, the only option I've got then, I'll, I'll educate myself, I'll feel that I'm not alone, and I'll go from there. So I'd almost sort of written off getting a therapist for her at that stage. But I joined and I loved the online course. It's on like an app called Teachable. And so I was able to just have that on my mobile phone. And there are little sort of short bursts of, of videos on that that I was able to work through tick off and how'd that app um, work was that easy to I've never even really tried the app (laughs) yeah it's great yeah so you can just sort of click straight into it and and it uh starts where you've left off yeah it's it's very uh easy to use so that's sort of separate from having to log into the sort of website and things so um yeah and I'll just explain really quick I don't mean to keep interrupting you that's all right Uh, but when you join the AT parenting community which is a membership community 
you get free access. So what Joe is talking about is you get free access. So I have an online school and it's totally separate from the membership, but it's so nice to just gift people access to that class because then, and I actually gift them a difficult behavior class too. So you have access to that. That way, when people are starting to vent and complain, you know, and wanting support in the membership, I know they have access to like a step-by-step course that will walk them through it. And then it makes me feel better. Cause I'm like, I know you have the tools, it, it, whether you have the energy to go through it, they're very quick videos, but I know that people are, are well supported, but they do have to log on to my online school, like, which is what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. And I think at the time I was so desperate to find some sort of tool to help myself that I was just thirsty for that knowledge. And I realized just how little I knew about it. And I thought, if I'm going to help my daughter, I need to educate myself on this thing that she's going through. So I just felt going through that, the most knowledge that I could gain in the easiest way, and and it was very straightforward and clear for me, that helped massively because I I wasn't sort of drowning in this just chaos that seemed to be around at the time. So it was it did just give me a tool that I was able to focus on and and feel like I was helping. And I think one of the biggest fears, and I mean, you know, we we can all sort of catastrophize and fear the future and what's the worst case that could go on and all that sort of thing. And I try and stop myself from doing that. I know that is just the easiest thing we could all do, but I just felt I had a direction then and I had a focus and, and I was able to do something that would improve things because sometimes you just don't know if you're making things worse. And that was the biggest thing. I didn't want to be making it worse. I knew it was bad enough as it was. I would have just blamed myself and hated myself for making it worse. So so that knowledge made me know that if I'm going to say no and not engage in this OCD behavior, that's okay. You know, um, such a good point because I'm doing this self-care series right now and I've done it before. And it's interesting to watch people's comments. And one of the biggest struggles that parents were bringing up in our Facebook live yesterday was, I don't know what I'm doing, or I, I don't know how to make it better. And even just some guidance because treating OCD as a parent is completely counterintuitive. And so everything that you do maternally, like your gut instinct that says my child's in distress. So I need to do what they're telling me to do to decrease their distress is the opposite of what you do for OCD. It's like the most counterintuitive parental approach. And I know I struggle with, with my kids too, because, and I mess up a lot when I, when they're in distress and I'm like, Oh, I just want to make that better. But instead I have to, you know, coach them and give them skills. And it's, it's not intuitive. So I think you're right. Like, even if your child doesn't want to do therapy or you're having a hard time finding a therapist, sometimes parents just stop there and they're like, okay, well, I, I don't know what to do. And OCD, as you definitely know, is family affair. And so educating yourself, that's something you can do. And then even knowing how am I supposed to respond to this? Like what is the, you know, quote unquote, correct way to respond to this? It's actually going to help will be the opposite of what you typically think. So yeah, you're bringing up some really good points that I'm hearing a lot from parents. Yeah. And in my nature, I would always try and calm things down. I didn't want a big explosion in the house. I'd be sort of tiptoeing around, walking on eggshells, trying not to upset her and that kind of fear. And sometimes she would get upset and I would just have to to deal with that. So that's tough to keep on and consistently do. And, you know, it's not 100%. It's maybe 70% of the time. But I do try and sort of resist getting involved and and mixed up in in some of those sort of requests that are made 
So going forward, I think by doing the course, I did realise that I did have to to get a therapist for her. So, you know, this AT parenting community no longer became the alternative to getting therapy. It it made me realise how serious it was. I think one of the phases that I say phase, but I'm not trying to trivialise that. I'm just saying that this for her, it tends to go in waves of different themes up here and there. So one of the sort of themes that she was doing at the time was not swallowing her own saliva. So it was a kind of contamination thing and she was spitting everywhere. If she wasn't leaving spit on the floor, she'd be spitting in sort of the braids of her hair. Mm-hmm. She'd be spitting in her sleeve on her wrist to try and hide it. And I got concerned that it would go further and become an issue with eating. She she literally got to the point where she would only swallow if she had food in her mouth and mm-hmm you know, although she didn't sort of have any food aversion, I started to wonder if she would choke if she literally wasn't swallowing properly. Um, And the skin around her wrist was starting to get rashes from constantly rubbing against um, a wet sleeve. So it really was starting to affect the quality of her life. It wasn't like she was just having these funny little quirks or, you know, insisting the TV was on a certain number on the volume and and those sort of little things that that are easy to ignore and say, Mm -hmm. it's just her it really was starting to get quite worrying. So at that point, uh, I managed to find a therapist. I think in the UK, we have something called CALMS, which is the Child Adolescent Mental Health Service. And that's linked to the NHS. So that's free. But it really is sort of overloaded. There's massive long waiting lists. And I think it's, it feels like it's much more focused on ADHD and some other sort of childhood mental health issues. And I just thought to myself, you know what, if I can afford a meal out or a holiday, I can sure as hell afford to get her help right now. So, you know, if it came to it, I'd only eat toast for a year so that I could get the help she needs so she can live a better life because it was starting to affect the quality of her life. So I looked up some therapists online. I sort of compared a few, thought which ones would she probably warm to? And then came trying to persuade her <laughs> to go and see a therapist. So let me, which we pause that. Yeah, that's very tough. We're going to spend some time <laughs> talking about that. But I do have a lot of, you know, there's a lot of UK members in the AT parenting community. How did you find an OCD therapist? I always get asked that about UK providers. It's very difficult, actually. I had to look up, I'm trying to think, I think you suggested a few. Is it OCD.org? Yes, I, th- I think there was probably somewhat, but I, I looked up and, and some therapists list it as as one of the sort of things that they can specialise in. So I think I found a few who seemed more like an OCD specialist and I knew the importance of trying to, you've done some sort of podcasts and some videos on how to find the right therapist and, and make sure they're and the right therapist for a child as well. So I sort of followed the advice there. I mean, there are so many, but I discounted people who didn't have OCD listed at all. I then had to narrow it down to people that were working with children as well. There was one who I was familiar with who was highly recommended, but she only worked with people over, I think, 16. Mm. Um, So we couldn't use that person. Um, So, and in the end, um, I think I found, and and sometimes you phone people and they don't even respond. Yeah. (laughs) That's frustrating as well probably just too busy so eventually I found someone who seemed to have sort of some OCD knowledge and was used to work with children and we were able to go and sort of talk to her and I was able to see the 
room where she practiced and so I was happy with that I would say she wasn't as much of an OCD uh, specialist as I would have liked but she was good as I was saying very difficult to get my daughter to uh, agree to go she was very self-conscious about opening up and discussing her feelings with someone outside of the family or someone she didn't know so I just had to sort of say to her look we'll go along we'll meet this person if you decide I don't want to see her again I don't want to speak to her then we'll leave it there there's no pressure you don't have to go with this person because as you know they they have to have a a bit of chemistry there don't they or at least want to talk to this person you know that's a really good approach you were like not all or nothing you weren't like you know authoritative you were like let's just give it a try and see how it feels. And I think that that little gateway, if your child, if there's any wiggle room that they possibly will go, that approach is the best, that it's not this like definitive thing. It's like, just try it. So she was willing to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So luckily she was willing because I think she felt she was in control Mm -hmm. of the decision ultimately. Right. So that's, (laughs) that appeals to her. (laughs) Yeah. And when we got there, the therapist had a lovely dog and she played with the dog while she was, was talking. Nice. So that was a real win. She ended up leaving there and she said, yeah, I'll go back there. Because I think she sort of knew that if she didn't go back there, we would keep trying and we would keep looking for someone else. So yeah. she said, no, I'll, I'll settle with that person. And she had a comfortable area. She had like the um, little sort of sand pit thing. I think you've mm-hmm. spoken about that before as well, where they can do that so she always liked doing that in her sessions so yeah we managed to find a therapist eventually that she was happy to go to and it's good that you're knowledgeable because I think sometimes I think parents give all their power away because they just feel like the mental health professional will know you know and if they list OCD then then they they're very well versed in it and you did your homework you had all this knowledge you knew how to treat OCD you knew your role in it you even knew what the therapist was supposed to do you knew what education to look for. A lot of times people are looking at the letters after someone's name instead of the training. And it's the training, you know, because when I go to like an OCD conference with professionals, it's alphabet soup. We all have different letters after our names. But the thing that we have in common is the people that we follow, the people that we get training from, the people that we listen to and learn from. And so that's looking for that ERP. Do they do that exposure with response prevention, not just CBT? And then for us as parents, it's like, oh my gosh, okay. But then do they work with kids? And then are they kid friendly? You know, will they even call me back? So it's great that you did your homework and you knew. And even if you found someone who wasn't 100% what you would, you know, imagine, you had the knowledge yourself to fill in the gaps, which I think is helpful too. Yeah, yeah. So that worked really well. And um, I think she probably only actually had maybe about eight sessions, I think, before we ended up going into lockdown last year and then the sessions stopped my daughter didn't really want to do sort of online sessions she didn't like the idea of going on sort of zoom calls and things like that she used to do tap dancing and they started moving those to zoom calls and she hated that because I think one time the internet let her down and she got sort of uh left the class and she didn't want to rejoin and then again and, and there is a level of anxiety I know I said she she's adamant she doesn't have it but there is a sort of social element there where she would just be mortified to have to go back into yeah. a Zoom meeting. So at first she was very resistant to that and she just didn't want to carry on with the counselling at the time remotely. And I think to some extent she she perhaps thought 
she could be overheard as well so whereas it was very private for her in in the house and I would just wait outside in the car you know she sort of wanted a bit more of a feeling of privacy there I think there was also the option to potentially go for a walk perhaps walk the dog with the therapist and and have a conversation that way what a nice Um, therapist that's great yeah (laughs) but I think Kimberly was was reluctant to do that so the actual formal therapy kind of came to an end at that point but she had made some brilliant strides forward within that time there are still obviously you know different themes that that come up still but I'm much more aware of looking out for them and seeing how it goes we tend to have the misophonia so there's a lot of problems with anyone that's breathing or yawning eating whispering all that kind of thing totally related sneezes and hiccups are fine but anything with the breath she absolutely hates it's, it's funny really because with covid at the moment with everyone wearing a mask she she's actually quite happy with that and yeah. uh, i think sometimes i do wonder what will happen when people stop wearing masks when they're out and about whether that's gonna flare up some of the issues again yeah. if, if a lot of our children are used to seeing people with masks when they all suddenly take them off at some point in the future yeah i think the transition will definitely out. impact some people is it because it's the is it helping the misophonia because she can't hear the breathing yeah I think so yeah and or if she hears the breathing she thinks there's not the contamination coming out so not only does she not like the breathing she thinks there's some sort of contamination as well that's what I was wondering if it was one or the other because I mean I could see where it could be beneficial for OCD too so yeah I think there is a little weird security there for some kids having that mask on knowing that they're not being breathed on yeah yeah and there's also some sort of just right OCD there's sometimes the sort of balancing out tapping equal Mm -hmm. size and I think at the moment is door slamming so uh, the door has to close a certain way she has recently moved bedrooms actually but her old bedroom she actually just completely damaged the door Mm -hmm. and I know she's not slamming it in anger because it is Mm -hmm. just the way she moves about the house It'll be whether it's a cupboard door or her bedroom door, it all has to get slammed or closed mm-hmm. exactly the way she wants it. So sometimes we have sort of two or three slams as well. Yeah. So in terms of exposures, of course, we sort of try to leave the door open, don't close it at all, that kind of thing. And it sounds like you guys are aware of what approaches to do. These things will pop up. You know, I really feel like OCD doesn't go away. It gets it gets tiny, you know, and it gets manageable. And having that skill of knowing, okay, she's and hopefully her awareness, me slamming these things is growing my OCD. And so if I if I want to fight, then maybe I need to like be really soft with it, or maybe I need to leave it open. Yeah. So so sometimes I give her a challenge like, right, how softly can you close that? Can you close that door so that no one can hear it downstairs? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that kind of thing. So um yeah, almost half trying to make a game out of it, but not not ignoring the fact that it's that thing in her mind that's insisting she closes it that way, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um so I, I think compared to where we were, I don't feel as as desperate as a parent and out of control as I did before when I was sort of first joined the AT parenting community it definitely sort of gives you the tools that you need so that yeah, as I say as a parent that we know that we're not making things worse for the children it helps 
wider family as well. You know, there were people in the family who dismissed it or said, oh, she's just getting away with bad behaviour. So I do have to, you've done some good podcasts on how to recognise when it's bad behaviour and when it's it's linked to OCD. Yeah. And I'm becoming more aware of, of the difference, which is, is brilliant. But it, it's always an onward journey, isn't it? And, and you know, today I'm feeling positive and, and grateful as well. I think gratitude is is really important to just be thankful for those small wins that, that we get along the way. Because this is just about putting one foot in front of the other sometimes. And we can have really bad days, but we just have to take each day as it comes. I heard someone say the other day that the only way out is through. And I think sometimes you just have to go through some really hellish times, but equip yourself with the tools that you need, which is brilliant from AT Parenting Community. Uh, and you will get through it. And although the journey's not completely over for me I completely know that but at least I feel a little bit more in control with the knowledge and and the tools that you've been able to give me yeah and I love to hear that and I think you have a really good outlook because the journey's never over you know like life's journey is never over and the journey with OCD is never over and and acknowledging that I think is good for you but also for her to know I was actually just talking to a girl yesterday that I've been working with forever She's actually going to come on the podcast. That was very, she asked if she can come on the podcast. She thought it was really cool. And I was doing maintenance therapy with her and I've been doing maintenance therapy with her for quite a while, actually. So like every, I haven't seen her in three months. So I saw her again and she's saying, you know, I'm, I'm having intrusive thoughts and I'm having my OCD thoughts, but I'm not doing any compulsions. And so I said, well, tell me what you're doing. And she was doing all the right things. She was like, I was recognizing the thought. You know, sometimes I'll I'll do the opposite and try to annoy it. Or sometimes I'll just let it be. And she's like, I don't even know if I need these maintenance sessions because like, I recognize it and I know it's always going to be there, but I also am really well-trained. And, and the mom was there too. And she's like, and I know what to do too. And so that's really where we want to go. It, and you're going to hit bumps. I hit bumps with my kids. You know, I'll have a lull where I'm like, oh my gosh, everybody is doing good. You know, it's like, we're not really, no one's on fire. And then I know that, you know, it's possible next month things can really go awry, but that my kids have the skills and then I have the knowledge to pick that back up again. And it sounds like that's, that's where you're at, where you have the knowledge and your daughter has the knowledge, you're going to hit bumps, you know, but I love how you said, celebrate those small wins and have that gratitude for those moments where you're like, it's really good right now, or it's better than what it was. So I appreciate you sharing your story. That's okay. And I, I absolutely love listening to the podcast. I did used to uh, listen to them on my way home from work when we weren't working from home, but I would put one on just to almost sort of have that, that bridge between work and home. And I felt it sort of equipped me for, for whatever was going to happen that evening. Uh, and I just have a few more tips that I'd be able to use and, and put into effect. And it's also helped me myself I've learned a lot about myself from it as well and the sort of grown as a person and and there are things about me that I wouldn't have ever thought were sort of OCD traits which actually absolutely are and you know you can you can have it quite minor as um I actually was told a really good analogy when I as I said I'm a mental health first aider at work and we were given an analogy where if, if you have obsessive compulsive tendencies then it's just that if you're doing the washing up and you do the cutlery first and then the plates and you're doing the plates and someone comes and just dumps some cutlery in the bowl you sort of go oh but OCD you would probably start the washing up from scratch again and you would rewash the cutlery going through it and and I always sort of I, I sort of understood that 
analogy that I just have a few minor tendencies that have never thankfully interrupted my life. But you know, as parents, we we never really realize, or I didn't when I when I became a parent realize what a journey and and what a challenge this could be. But you know, it it gives us resilience to um go forward and, and how much we can learn about ourselves and our family is wonderful. Yeah, it is. It is a weird sideways gift because I, 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 I feel the same way. I feel like, like my growth as a person and my mental health growth didn't happen until my kids started to have their issues. And, and I was like, oh my gosh, I have these things too. It's interesting how they're like little mirrors into our soul. You're like, yeah, that was me. And a lot of times in the community in the AT parenting community, I hear a lot of parents saying stuff like, I'm getting better. Or I actually had a mom recently who told me it was like the biggest compliment I've ever gotten in therapy, where she said, my therapist told me that I'm improving because of my daughter's therapy. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> it's so touching because I think that we can learn from our kids. And we do talk a lot about ourselves in the AT parenting community. There's a lot of live classes that we do that are, are mainly focused on, on our mental health or what we're getting. And so many parents are saying, wow, I have OCD traits, I have anxiety traits. And that knowledge is actually really helpful because then we improve and we grow as our children grow. So that's awesome. Yeah. Oh, that's brilliant. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you for coming on and sharing your story. Well, I hope you found our interview inspiring and hopeful. It's nice to hear that with just a little bit of guidance, it was able to catapult Joe to know what kind of OCD therapist she should get, to know that it was a serious issue and that she didn't want to have a wait and see approach. And so it kind of gave her some momentum to go and find an OCD therapist, you know, a private pay OCD therapist in the UK. Uh, It's nice to hear that there are some of those out there. I think that's really important. If you are in the UK and you're looking for support, I normally recommend ocduk.org. There's also anxietyuk.org.uk. There is some support out there that I want to you know, let you know about, go online and look at the support that you have available to you. There is the AT parenting community. It is only open until yes, February 4th, 2021. And there's also other online support, you know, join my free Facebook group it's facebook.com slash group slash AT parenting anxious kids. If you just want a really, really large group of people who get you join that. If you're looking for more in-depth, personable support, the AT parenting community would be good. There's also websites that can support you. Uh, OCDkidsmovie.com is a great website. It will support you. Madeofmillions.com. Always the IOCDF is a good website. Um, The International OCD Foundation. So IOCDF.org is a great website. They actually have a separate website for anxiety in the classroom. That's a great website. You have a lot of resources at your fingertips. um, And I just want you to know that you can tap into them get some support and be proactive, not reactive and tap into what you need. And so if you're interested in joining us, I would love to have you. So definitely consider joining us at atparentingcommunity.com. At the very least, if you're a Facebook kind of person, join a Facebook group and get support because there's, there's no reason why anyone should feel alone in this battle. So I hope that you're enjoying the podcast. And if you are, don't forget to hit a star on iTunes Google Play or wherever you consume your podcast or whatever new podcast platform you are listening to. If you have a few extra seconds and you can leave a review, I greatly appreciate that. And to show my support, I always try to end my show reading one of them if somebody has left a review. 
So I want to thank, sometimes I don't know if I've read these before. I don't think I read this one. R. Gail, thank you for the wisdom. Even as a kid minister, I feel like parenting my six-year-old is a huge mountain. This podcast is enlightening. Thank you for that. I really appreciated that. And Texas Mama to Two said, I found this podcast while searching YouTube. Again, in YouTube. See, I, I discount my reach from YouTube. I always think I'm just doing that as like a totally just gift to kids and teens. It's nice to hear that parents are finding me on YouTube as well. But I digress. So she said, while searching YouTube in tears, trying to find something that I could connect with to help me with my anxious seven-year-old. Natasha is so down to earth. Her real life examples are extremely relatable. I feel like she and I are on the same page about so many things. After one day of listening, I was able to use what I've learned to get so much more information out of my anxious kiddo. And I finally feel like we have a path to start down. Thank you, Natasha. Well, thank you, Texas Mama Tattoo. I'm glad to help and I'm glad that you're finding me. It's good to be able to reach people who need that help in every little crack of the online world. So I thank you for taking the time to write a review. I really want to thank both of you that I read. So if you have something helpful to say, please leave a review and maybe I'll be reading your review next time. So I hope you find the sparkle in everything you do and I'll talk to you again next Tuesday. Take care. Thank you for listening to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. To get additional support raising a child with anxiety or OCD, visit Natasha's online school of on-demand classes at atparentingsurvivalschool.com. 